0: In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to and
1: wonderful.
0: cover is not the box, I'll open it up and take a look. Ah,
1: if it isn't the only bookworm in town.
0: What's that word again?
2: Inspired. by or other things that you can listen to or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. Book of the Mouse Club hosts Emily McDermott and Courtney Guth are back in this second part of our conversation on Disney books that should be written. In the first part, we addressed ideas for categories, including autobiography slash biography, theme parks and resorts, and film and television. Today, we're centering our attention on books related to music, mouse and fictional series, so let's continue the brainstorming in this Sorcerer's Hat series. So now we'll be talking about music, and uh, music is certainly a broad category. Um, but and it might be even a bit harder to cover in a book if you don't actually if you can't hear anything. But maybe it serves as a mechanism to check out um, the tunes that are discussed um, in the written word. So. Courtney, would you maybe like to start us off perhaps? That's okay. I'm very excited.
1: I guess. Um, Well, this was actually the hardest category for me. This is the one I filled in for myself last, um, just because I feel like so much has been covered with music. It's like, where do you start to quantify Things My mind immediately went to Disney on Broadway, but that's absolutely been covered. You had a wonderful early episode. I believe it's your fifth episode with Dr. Amy Osatinsky about her research in that regard. People have honed in on specific shows. So I was like, all right, that's out. And I just sat there and I just Google Disney music. just took to get something to come to me. And that is where I came to a book on the evolution of Disney Channel original musicals uh, I felt would be a lot of fun especially because uh, as Emily was saying they're defining eras we grew up in the era of high school musical which I feel like really kicked off that specific genre of DCOMs so smashing success leading to Camp Rock paving the way for future generations with uh, descendants uh, I would say the Cheetah Girls was definitely like a precursor to that So not that High School Musical was the first, but definitely a a phenomenon at its time. Um, I've also recently learned about some lesser known musicals. There's one called Starstruck. I feel like as a new generation starts to enter the workplace, I recently uh, had a conversation at work. We play some games together. We made a Disney playlist just on Zoom, like, fun half hour this girl so, uh selected sorry this young woman uh selected a song from star trek and I was like I've never heard about that tell me more uh, and it had I believe one of the actors she said uh, from sunny with a chance so a little after my disney channel time I was like I will absolutely go check out this musical because I personally love musicals. So I was like, if I can't have a Broadway musical book, I can have a DCOM musical book. I don't know who would write it, but Kenny Ortega just has to be involved somehow with his legacy as director, of both High School Musical and Descendants.
0: That's awesome. And it's funny you said Disney on Broadway because that's immediately where I went to. <laughs> um, but you're right. There's so many books already out there. Um, so I think that's a good, we forget that there's a lot more musicals that Disney has created beyond Broadway and beyond the animated features. Um, Or even like Mary Poppins, Knobs, and Broomsticks, uh, some of their other full-length features as well. Nice. I like that pick. Um, For me, um, I kind of went off of Disney on Broadway, but I picked Newsies. I love Newsies. Courtney knows how much I love Newsies. Um, I I first watched uh, the Christian Bale film, I think it was eighth grade, because it was actually for my history class over uh teacher had a whole bunch of movies for us to watch to kind of look at um just like context and setting and like how did people live how did people dress and we could pick from this wide range of movies and i was like oh this one's disney that's cool and i watched newsies and i've been in love with it ever since i saw it uh, on its opening run. I've seen it, I think three times uh, between the tour, the opening run in theaters. I, I love it. And I think it'd be cool uh, for us newsy fans uh, to have something maybe from Alan Menken about creating that specific um, book and uh, music and lyrics and also those differences between the film and the stage production. Cause there are some big differences in what inspired those and how do some things work better on film, but some things work better on Broadway. I think this is a good uh, show to do that. Uh, Cause a lot of the other uh, Disney on Broadway came from animation. Whereas this is, here's a live action film and a show. How did you make that transition? We can talk a lot about the music, but also what are some things you could do here, but not there. I think that'd be fun. I'd love a deep dive into newsies.
2: Emily, you are definitely asserting your fansies status right there.
0: (laughs) Newsies forever! Shout out, carrying the banner. (laughs) Always, always carrying the banner for newsies. Yes,
2: king of New York. Uh, So I have a question for you then, Emily. Would there be attention to the Razzie that Mankin? Received for Newsies because he basically got that right around the same time as, as one of his many Oscars.
0: You know, some people find treasures and other things that those don't like. <laughs> um, I think it would be interesting though because I think Newsies got that resurgence from going on Broadway though, um, and people saw it differently. So maybe it wasn't that smash it. Uh, it's as old as we are, 1992, but something about Broadway. So again, going back to that idea of like, what worked that you could do on Broadway that maybe you couldn't do with the film or the timing, something to that effect. Uh, But it's kind of rising, it kind of reminds me though of like how people love um, one of Courtney's favorites, Hocus Pocus, Mm. or maybe it wasn't super big when it first premiered, but now there's a huge following behind Hocus Pocus. Um, I feel like Newsy has had a similar similar fan base.
2: And similarly around the same time, right? Because Hocus Pocus debuted in 93 and both of these properties seem to have a resurgence. about
1: those early 90s. I credit it to home video. So it might not have done well theatrically, but you go to Blockbuster, you pick up up something off the family shop. I mean, that's how I came to love Hocus Pocus was repeated viewings on VHS and then (laughs) DVD.
0: And also we weren't old enough to vote and
1: influence the academy at those points, and now we are.
0: So now we're saying it is a masterpiece. Love it.
2: Absolutely, no. And and Newsies is one of those treasures because it it just materialized into such a such a brand, such a phenomenon. And like you're saying too, Emily, like they filmed. It was so popular that they filmed the show, um, and and the Broadway. Version, I ran the to the
0: theater. Oh, when yeah. they put that out, I had yeah. tickets. I dragged two of my friends who were not as enthusiastic <laughs> as I was, but they sat through it with me. I love them for it. They gave it a try, but I was like so happy um seeing it again because at that point it was off Broadway. Right. There was no tour local to me. Um, so I saw it on tour in Florida when I was in my college program. I saw it on Broadway in its opening summer. Uh It's the first show I ever saw with an original cast. So that one always sticks with me in my my Broadway uh, shows that I love to go to. Uh, So yeah, when it came to theaters, I think that's something else that's really cool too, that now we're getting shows. There's a lot more people having access to Broadway that we're seeing a whole new group of fans and people who love live theater.
1: A whole new world.
2: Yeah, too easy, too easy. (laughs) Extends the reach, seriously, because I think of from the standpoint of, you know, not only do folks often not have access to go to Broadway, but you actually get a more immersive sense of the show because of the camera angles, right? So if you're looking, if you're in an audience, you're, you're seeing maybe the whole space, but with, you know, when it's filmed, okay, you're seeing particular angles, you're seeing close-ups of the stars. It's, it offers such a rich experience. so
0: How yeah. detailed some of the props are. Like there's a lot of newspapers in Newsies, who knew? Um, but it's not just, you know, let's just put some gray lines all over it. Like in those close-ups, you see like there's actually printed words on there. Even though from that audience perspective, you're never going to see what's written on that page. Uh, but that level, that Disney touch, that, is that level of detail.
2: Very cool. I also just want to harken back to um, to something that Courtney said for a minute um with her pick on um, the dcoms the musicals would movies that had really popular songs but weren't them and then them themselves musicals count because i remember with smart house um the some of those really great numbers that were so late 90s i mean slam dunk Defunk, funk and does that come to mind I
1: think we can give it a chapter for sure we can fit that in
0: like soundtracks that came from dcoms
2: yeah, yeah. They were good. anyone else
0: learn that dance and dance in their living room and
1: wish they that's how I became a fan of the bewitch song I'm thinking of xenon and protozoa yes. and that zoom, uh, zoom, zoom. Zoom. not a musical but quite a bop but has a music moment <laughs>
2: That has to be a chapter. Love both of your picks. So uh, with me, I wanted to focus on the stage as well, Um, similar to you, Emily, knowing that both of you, I think, referenced with Disney on Broadway, um, has been well covered. Um, So I'm thinking, okay, what's a a different space? And so I was thinking, well, Disney Cruise Line um, has many stage productions. So bringing the stage to see uh, Disney Cruise Line musicals. What are the challenges of developing a production with a very within a very concentrated space where you have to collapse props and sets, and um, you have to find multiple uses for things? You have to deal with a very unstable stage at times if you are on the rough seas. Uh, what is it like to be a Disney Cruise Line performer. I mean, just the background of that I found to be absolutely fascinating because you have these folks who are engaged in three productions um, often over the course of a week um, or even several days and um, what that must be like to um, constantly be changing roles. And um, there's a lot of original productions on Disney Cruise Line that are um, of course based on familiar properties Um, over the years there's been on. Uh, for Hercules and Aladdin and Frozen, um, but also compilations of sorts that have some sort of narrative thread, but it's basically just a, Disney's best hits. Um, so like the Golden Mickeys, which is Disney's version of the Oscars, and uh, you would see a, a filmed uh, message from Bob Iger. So he decided to make a little appearance there. Um, it'd be fun to learn about the songwriters who crafted the musicals, to discover concept art of productions, photographs, um, fun stories of um, creating these, I, I think it would be a really fun fun ride to take, so.
1: Certainly a lot to cover there with uh, Disney Cruise Line's over 20 year history now, but I'd love to know which of the stage productions is your favorite. They're all gonna be covered, but what is your
2: favorite? Oh, that's tough. I re- it's now discontinued, um, but there was one that, it started on the fantasy, it was called Disney Wishes. Um, and focused on um, kids graduating from high school um, and them going out to Disneyland and then being transported into the films and one of the kids at the end gives a a, a commencement speech a graduation speech um, and uh, and I, I I was in that same boat for college so there was a lot of resonance there but there was like a whole tribute to when you wish upon a star that was so beautiful and um, they go on like a little ride it's just it's, it's a fun, fun show that um, isn't around anymore. Also love Toy Story, the musical. And in the first year of the podcast, um, I interviewed each of the songwriters for that production. And it was just a, an absolute blast to talk about that and really uncover stories because that was on the wonder for hmm, maybe a decade. Um, and it just, um, it it didn't get the love that it did, I feel. So They're yeah. Cool. Can or I ask I know- you? Each I was going to ask Courtney. Yeah. I So,
0: Emily, I, you have not been, right? I've never will, been on a cruise. I'll get and you I on actually one. don't know any of the productions that I've ever been on the cruise lines. I've seen, like, photographs or, like, snippets in, like, an ad, but I actually am not familiar at all with any of the stage productions. All
1: right. Well, I, I will share it then. Um, I really liked the Hercules show as a kid. It was very... Funny because the character of Hades um, had the freedom to ad lib and incorporate relevant jokes. So I know I went on a cruise when I was ten, like it was playing, and I think it was still playing when I was fifteen. In High School Musical two was actually fun fact. I got to watch High School Musical 2's premiere on the Disney Wonder. Like they played it on the jump. It was it was an event because it was a phenomenon. Uh, there was like a High School Musical joke in the Hercules show by Hades because they had the uh, ability to to add those. So I think that's definitely one of the cult classics, Uh, but in more recent shows, I absolutely love the Beauty and the Beast interpretation on the Disney dream, because I think that that is my favorite Disney movie. Belle is my favorite princess, Um, but they had the challenge of adapting something that has already been adapted to stage both in the theme parks (laughs) on Broadway as the first Broadway show, but this brings something fresh. It brings in, um, it's more based on the 2017 Emma Watson film in the style of the show and what they do with the technology, the chore- choreography. Um, it's so good. We were on a sailing that instead of having the Golden Mickeys showed the Beauty and the Beast show twice, but we went both nights because <laughs> it was so good. And I do have a funny story about the Golden Mickeys. So you mentioned that Bob Iger appears in video and he's coaching along and Sin Benson, uh, the main character there. But It was originally Michael Eisner. So I make the joke that when you would go to, you know, you go to Broadway shows and like you get the little insert in your playbill. So I say the role of Michael Eisner tonight will be played by Bob Iger. (laughs) Cause I was like, this was definitely a Michael Eisner Thing who like you can just tell, just based on Michael's personality, the hello, I'm Michael Eisner. Like I was like, When this was written, Michael Eisner was like, Yes, I want to be in it. And now Bob Eiger had to film it. And I'm sure if we continue to see the Golden McKeeza, uh, nope, all done, it's completely done.
2: I was <laughs> gonna hear. say, I don't know if, if <laughs> Mr. Tate, if that's to make where, where I was
1: going, if we'll keep Bob or if they'll just retire the show. But would be interesting to compare all three performances if that were the case.
2: And at one point, I, I'm almost certain Roy E. Disney was um, featured in the video as well.
1: Oh, that would make sense. I could so, see that.
2: Yeah. Well, Emily, not only do you need to get on a cruise, but most of these shows are on YouTube. Um, they would film them and show them on the TV in your stateroom. So um, that's also a good avenue to find some love. Let's get an
0: influx from listeners
2: of like YouTube links.
0: Please send like, them yeah. our way. Book of the Mass Club i'm sure courtney and like as soon as we're done is going to be like this one this one this one i'll make a
1: playlist for you like my disney parks music playlist yes
0: i still listen to your disney parks music playlist that you made back in college
1: i have found people on the internet so sorry brett we're going down a, a rabbit hole here but In college, I made a YouTube playlist of just other people's compiled, like Disney parks, ambient music. So I was like, I want something ambient to study to to clean the house To My roommate and I were both big Disney fans. So I made it for us. I, of course, shared it with Emily, but it just, it exists on YouTube. And now almost 10 years later, I've had people on like Disney Twitter be like, wait, like they made the, cause my, my Twitter is my name and my YouTube is my name. And they're like, oh my gosh, like I've gotten DMS from at least three people who are like, I've been listening to your Disney parks curated playlist for years. So it's the gift that keeps on giving.
2: <laughs> I think that's a, a wonderful capstone to our focus on, on music. Uh, let's shift over to mauscellaneous, which is the most random category, um, of sorts, um, yeah, because we just can't can capture everything. Um, so this is for just oddball topics or maybe it could be maybe even duplicative of something illustrated elsewhere. Like, oh, I had to have two music books. Okay, I'm going to put the other one here. Um, Emily, would you like to start us off?
0: Sure. So I have, this is my second pick for fiction. Even though we're going to talk about fiction. Sure. It was so funny in your email, you would wrote fiction might be, the toughest. And this was the one where I was like, I want this book. I want this book. Uh, So fiction for me, uh, that's my wheelhouse as a reader. I prefer reading fiction, um, which is funny to hear from a history teacher that I prefer fiction. Um, But for me, I thought about uh, way back, Courtney and I, episode 20 of our show, we read Marvel Comics, Disney Kingdoms, uh, Figment and Figment 2. And I know they have a bunch of comics for some other like Big Thunder Mountain has a comic series from them. And I would love to see another Marvel comic series uh, for the Jungle Cruise. Cause now that we've had the film, I think there could be a great, um, kind of like how we saw with Cruella, how they made a prequel to the prequel um, in a book form. I think we could get a Marvel comic of Frank's journey before the film. So make like a prequel to the new Jungle crews that we have. They created some great lore, sorry, spoiler words here, guys. Um, So great lore and those legends uh, that we could get more of that, but kind of before Emily Blunt's character comes in, like what was happening before that? What was Frank doing uh, well before all
1: that? So I I think that's fun. I feel like The Rock, just his physique really lends itself to a comic book too. Like He just looks like he walked straight out of an action comic book. Uh, so that that would be really cool to go into there. I think there's a lot of fun tie-ins to have to the Jungle Cruise and its history as well. Sorry, dog popped up. Um, also, just the...
0: <laughs> sorry, my dog's licking the microphone. I'm sorry, Brett. Um... I thought some of the art though like the style of the film was really fun and it was fantastical in ways they created new jungle creatures and I thought that could be fun in a comic and Marvel's done such a great job with doing that before with Disney attractions we have a lot of fans of Disney attractions uh, so going down that path of continuing that lore and I thought the Marvel comic layout would be a good medium for it.
2: I love the idea. And per Courtney's point about the rock just being such a fitting um just from an aesthetic standpoint, just would lend itself to seeing an animated Dwayne Johnson. Like I want to Fra- be for it. Yeah. I mean, Frank's bodybuilding gears. I mean that I mean he probably had a gym in the jungle that nobody knew about. It was like <laughs> a secret, you had to have like a little code and you walk through a tree trunk or something. So I mean, there's endless possibilities.
0: What about you guys? Where did you go on your miscellaneous?
2: Courtney, you
1: sure. Um, so you said that anything can fit here, from art to reference, and I honed in on reference. And while not necessarily a new book, this is still what should be done. When I think anything and everything, I think Disney A to Z. So I would like to see someone carry on the legacy this will be very bittersweet because dave smith has passed and chronicled nearly everything disney across five editions and probably like 15 or so years of updates most probably more um so it's just such a great resource i own three copies of it in my house um, and i just don't want to see that tradition die i know it does live on Um, On the D23 website, certainly someone is making updates, I often use that as a reference, um, as we're compiling the history portions of our podcast episodes, Um, but I I don't know I want another print edition, so, someone needs to keep it going.
2: Yeah, and there could be references to Star Wars and Marvel. Exactly. I mean, they might not want to do the entry on Scarlett Johansson uh, (laughs) too soon, too soon. You
1: could even have offsets like Disney Mm. A to Z, the Marvel edition, right? Star Wars, like break it out if it's just, it is, it is a very large book, but I physically consulted it earlier this week in reference to something. So I use it and I want to continue to do so. Yeah.
2: The last print edition was what, like oh six? Maybe?
1: No, twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen.
2: Oh, that's right. There was the newer edition. Yeah, that okay. was the
1: fifth one. And I think that's okay. the last one. But there was Sorry. a big gap. You're right, between mm. like the third and fourth. And then the fifth came out relatively closely to the mm. fourth. Cause I have right the second edition, which is from the nineties. Like I bought oh. that as a present to myself because my whole like Disney research love. And then I was so excited when the fourth one came out because I was like, oh my gosh, we haven't had one in so long. Got that as a Christmas present. And then I was like, oh my God, well, now there's a fifth one. So I got to get that one too. So I need, I need one in three, I guess, to round out the collection.
2: It becomes, I imagine for the folks um, involved in it now, like it also becomes trickier with 20th, 20th Century Studios and like how that oh fits gosh, in. my gosh, yeah. Because like The Simpsons, like that would be in itself just- That's its endless, own edition. <laughs> right, so- Love that.
0: Disney Archives, if you're listening, we mm-hmm. want another edition.
2: There would be such demand. All right, uh, so
0: I did fiction. Courtney did reference. Brett, where did you go?
2: Um, I don't know what category this falls into. So I just wanted to give attention to um, my love of animals And I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if there was a book called Animals That Make Magic that focuses on the animal stars of Disney's live action films over the years, in addition to how there are real life animals that play a role in the Disney theme parks from those who are in security roles to those who are guide dogs and therapy dogs um, and the different resources available Um, to guests who who want to utilize such animals in the parks. Um, But I think it'd just be a nice tribute to the live action films that often get I think overlooked at times like we're talking about properties like Newsies and Hocus Pocus and certainly those have now cultivated more of a fan base but I even think of like some of the oddball comedies of the 60s that had a lot of animal stars and just to focus on I mean certainly uh, things have changed over the years in terms of what Um, what types of films are being produced, but like The Shaggy Dog and That Darn Cat and the backstories of training those animals and um, the popularity and maybe how some of these animals um, were translated into um, uh, consumer products and and other spaces um, in terms of featuring their imagery, Um, Homeward Bound was a, a favorite of mine and um, like there are like five different shadows um, once you watch the sequel. So it'd just be fun to focus on just the, the legacy of Disney animals and across different spaces. And, and maybe this could bleed into Animal Kingdom. Um, and so certainly I thought the ideal author of this book would be uh, Mel- Melody Malmberg, who was the author of the making of Disney's Animal Kingdom um, book, who is a writer and Disney Imagineer, uh, wife of Joe Rody too, as I came to discover. Um, oh, wow. but yeah, animals that make magic because animals are influential in the Disney sphere. And you know what? There are lots of cool creatures um from the birds and the past fights of wonder show or um or all around Animal Kingdom to the, the stars we see on the silver screen.
1: I think that's such a sweet idea and really goes back to Disney's legacy, all the way back to the true life adventures as well. So such a great deep history related to animals.
2: Yeah, and I also want to note, because you mentioned that, Courtney, so Didier Guest is actually developing a book that should debut, I don't know how soon, on, on True Life Adventures. So for folks who love that series and want to watch some of them on uh, Disney+, Plus, that could be another avenue to gain an appreciation for the early documentary uh, that emerged from there. And I guess it's time to conclude with our final category, um, fictional series. So... Yeah, there's there's a whole lot that, that we could cover here. Um, and I think all start us off. I was not sure what to write about um, and, or what, what could be written about because there's just been so much, especially over recent years, um, in terms of authors using the theme parks as mechanisms to create really elaborate stories. So one direction I thought I would take with my idea is called Carousel of Progress, A Century in the Life of the Technological Family, and I was thinking it could be a series that focuses on families who live in the same Midwestern American home over the course of a century, hence the title, and basically each book uh, could focus on a different family during a different era, um, but what they have in common is that they've all lived in the same home, and a lot of the topics in the book reference the new new technologies and how it's shaping their lives. But I also felt like it could be an avenue to talk about just the evolution of the American family um, in terms of multicultural families, LGBTQ plus households, multi-generational families. Um, but across the series, I'm thinking, okay, every you know, the common element here, everybody's in the same, I mean it's the same house, that's the thread, but there's a secret and what, would the, what is the secret? I'm not sure, but there's a secret of some sort, and it all ties back to the original homeowner who worked for General Electric, which is a tie to the Carousel of Progress attraction. Um, so there's like se- some secret that exists in the basement, and that could be something that uh carries into the next uh next book and so forth
1: the secret is what happened to the girl in the first act of carousel (laughs) that was coming spinning the wheel and coping with the laundry ghost in the basement that lures you in to flip the light switch
0: and the light switch like tower terror style sends you off into that dimension or i don't know you travel back in time and meet the other generational families or forward, backward in time, forward in time.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, I mean, there could be a, yeah. I mean, time travel element would be cool. It'd be almost neat too, to think of if like some of the characters had connections to Walt Disney himself. Like, I don't know, there's so many different directions. And I mean, maybe there's like every family has an, you know, um, an Orville, that would be kind of fun. Um, I mean, it could Secretly,
0: be- Secretly refer- Orville is the one that's living through all the generations oh there's what that one family member and then he just keeps pop staying Maybe Mm. he doesn't live in the house because he just keeps coming over maybe he used to live in the house but to hide that he's been alive forever Mm. i don't know he's got some other life he's popping in it's like yeah cousin orville cousin orville yeah he's just always been there
2: yeah he's like a spy um and he could have his own spin-off series (laughs)
0: Or like Tomorrowland, he's trying to discover whatever that secret is, get back Mm. to his timeline, but he's trying to steal General Electric. I don't know. Mm. He could be the villain. The twist is the family member's
2: the villain. Yeah, there's a lot of potential, so I'm I'm just excited by the idea. I think an ideal writer for the series would be Ridley Pearson, who of course you
0: stole my writer.
2: <laughs> oh well, you know what Ridley can do a bunch of things. He's a super talented person, so he
0: is, and he's the right one for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Emily, do we maybe want to shift into your selection then? Yeah, so I Conrad- also
0: was going to say Ridley Pearson, um, and I went with with a plethora of attractions. I. I, we loved Kingdom Keepers when we read it. It was so cool intertwining lots of different attractions in the parks. Um, and I was thinking of what is something else that intertwines a lot of attractions and multiple parks, international as well. And that is C, the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. I think we could get a fiction series that really ties all of those together. The Imagineers already put it in place, um, how different attractions from different parks internationally all linked together. Um, But I feel like it's a lore that not a lot of people are familiar with. It's definitely got its fan base. There's wiki pages about it. Um, You can talk to any Jungle Cruise skipper uh, at Skipper Canteen and they will tell you more about it. Uh, But I think that there's a lot there And especially, again, going off of Jungle Cruise, the film we just got, they reference it. We see a headquarters in London, and then we kind of like stray away a little bit. So we're starting to see them use it more. And I think it'd be really cool to have a fiction series that ties those together. And Ridley has the experience of tying multiple parks and multiple attractions together. Um, So I think he'd be perfect for it.
1: I love that because I feel like it is something that Disney has been laying the foundation for as we see updates to the Disney Cruise Line with the Oceaneer Lab, um, the water raft ride at Typhoon Lagoon, the side, like just all over the place are peppering these little references. You can even go back to beloved things like the Adventures Club, which have now like been retconned <laughs> into the Society of Explorers and Adventures. So I would absolutely love to read a book about that and dive into these characters and give them real personalities
2: yeah and I think it could be leveraged in terms of like a Disney plus series as well I feel like there's been talks at different points about that so I think your your idea there Emily could be like it could be threaded across a lot of different media and fiction would be such a wonderful extension in a um, you know in people's homes and for them just to consume and so then we made both-
1: a Disney Plus TV series about it. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. So Courtney, Brett and I both picked Ridley. Did you also have Ridley in mind? I
1: didn't. Um, I went in a different direction. I actually envisioned mine as a graphic novel. So maybe a little more attuned with your Jungle Cruise piece. But I would love a fictional excuse me, series that explored the Disney princesses and made them part of each other's world uh this used to feel very taboo for disney to have any intermingling like in terms of the parks like i don't think ariel is aware of Belle's world um but that was broken with ralph breaks the internet um and just very recently disney is celebrating world princess week to kick off their ultimate disney princess celebration so it seems like they're really leaning heavily into, I don't want to say resurgence, because it's not like the Disney princess <laughs> brand has gone anywhere, or like it, it hasn't gone away. Uh, but it seems like they're just really leaning into that. And I was excited to see new artwork actually this week that we're recording of the princesses released, and it shows them interacting in that printed media which hasn't been done before like usually when you would see the disney princess lineup they're all like looking in different directions on the camera it's kind of just a line but you see bell hugging mulan like tiana and ariel like whispering to each other so i was like wow like okay if we're leaning into like their friends and their squad squad goals uh <laughs> I feel like this would set up really well as a, a fictional universe, maybe where they, they team up or they explore things together. And I, I just, because of that printed media that we saw today or uh, this week, like with them interacting, I just really liked the visual style of that. So I'm like, well, this would work well as a graphic novel so that we, we get those interactions visually in addition to wherever the story takes us. I like that idea. So I like think there, there already is a line of princess-based comics, but they have been isolated to their individual stories. So expanding things out would be cool. I mean, we apparently see Rapunzel and Flynn walking into Elsa's coronation. So the groundwork is, it's already there.
2: <laughs> sure. So my question for you then is who, which of the princesses are best friends?
1: Ooh, that's probably tough. I want to believe that they're all friends and that we don't have catty girl drama (laughs) among them, but who would be the closest? I could see Mulan and Merida like playing with bows and arrows together and like giving each other archery type pointers. That would be cool. Tiana loves to cook, I feel like, and Rapunzel just loves all things creative when she's locked up in her her tower so they could have a lot of fun uh in the kitchen together
2: i'd be i'd be up for it sounds pretty yeah. cool hmm. I, I i feel like there has to be some sort of like secret princess handshake or, or... yes
1: well they're like all in that room together having a slumber party in ralph breaks the internet so like i i could see if like it's like a sorority and you have to do a, a secret handshake to get into the meeting
0: you have well, to there's... be able to summon woodland creatures <laughs> to do your housework
1: and you can be a disney princess
2: yes and of course there has to be an original song like it oh, might, yeah, it like might a be CD a graphic novel it. yes
1: sorry people don't have cds anymore it's a streaming playlist on Spotify. Spotify. <laughs>
2: you see the lyrics to the song in the graphic novel, and then you can get... scan
1: a QR code and it takes you to out of that and you can play it. There we go. Now we're, now we're getting like full Disney interactive here.
2: We're, we're just creating money for the company. I mean, that's all we that we've done it. today.:
1: <laughs> So
0: I actually had a second fiction pick. Go for it.: If I'm allowed to share two. Sure. I know we were supposed to share one. Uh, but thinking about magic School bus, but it's the Magic Disneyland Railroad, and it takes you. Because as you go around the railroad, around the parks, um, I know in Disneyland they have a lot more scenes. Uh, but I was think I didn't flesh out beyond that. But the Magic Disneyland Disney Railroad brings you to different places in time and history, or whatnot. Who's our conductor? Ooh, that's tough. That is tough on the spot. mr tom morrow
2: (laughs) yeah that would be okay so it could be a time traveling railroad as well perhaps
0: possibly but i really like when we lean into the attractions Mm. i really like leaning into the i feel like it it adds something so what i was thinking about the attraction c was like the first one i thought of then i was like oh the railroad would be such a fun attraction to get a little bit more love i love the disney Railroad.
1: I love the magic school bus, so I feel like that's such like a Like it would be marriage. a fun, I think, kids' series. More yeah. for like
0: C would be a lot more maybe young adults.
1: Right. Um, like Kingdom
0: Green's really, audience. Yeah, Even like, like really weaving in a lot of lore. But I think um Disneyland, yeah, in that vein of you know, third to fifth grade, random chapter books that you can read in any order that you want. And you then it gets go, to be places. a
2: Disney
1: Plus series. Yes, of course. Yes! Yes.
0: <laughs> Bring it to Disney Jr.
2: Yeah, you could have different iterations of it for different age groups. You can
0: get a decom. Yeah. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Make it
1: a musical. <laughs> We're bringing it all together here. Your conductor
2: is actually a part-time piano player. So Emily, I was thinking too like it could be where the like, you know, in a chapter book format where like each book is like a different extinct attraction, but like they go to nature's wonderland or they go to, you know, adventures through inner space. So, you know, they could be learning about atoms and molecules. Yep. There's a song. So
0: Um, one of the railroad takes them to the 64 world's fair. I don't know, but yeah, Um, molecules that'd be fun or in yeah. Science. I don't know. Who's, who's miss, does miss Frizzle have, you know, a cousin that works on a railroad. (laughs) They would be the conductor. (laughs)
2: So then obviously Scholastic has to be on board here. And then you
0: have a book fair. And then there's a book fair. Oh my gosh, yes. You're we're right.
2: Just, we're just creating stuff for ourselves. This is, what, <laughs> this is what's been so wonderful that I think our conversation today, envisioning what, what really resonates with us, what we think would reach different audiences and ultimately tap into the, the really... Uh, multifaceted world of, of the Walt Disney company. So uh, I know I'd like to purchase every book that we've discussed. We need to basically hire people to write the books. Um, Maybe we'll feel inspired ourselves, but are there any closing thoughts that you all have as we reflect on our selections of books that should be written?
1: I think this just really sums up, well, what brought us each to our, our podcasts and then connected us with each other is that there is so much shelves I can see your shelves behind both of you that you know fill us with knowledge and books I think for Disney fans sometimes fill a hole when you're not able to go to the parks Um, so we've leaned into that Uh, it goes right along with I think what the theme of Emily's recent suggestion was was edutainment is at the heart of a lot of what Disney does so it has been a pleasure to discuss and brainstorm with both of you as always
0: yeah this is a lot of fun and we all have different things that we're so passionate about. Like I really dove into the fiction. Brett had a lot of great, um, you had a lot of great ideas for a lot more of the nonfiction and uh, animals didn't even think about animals. Like it's fun when you can get a bunch of us together um, and pick each other's brains and we did good. We didn't talk to each other. That was hard for Courtney and I not to talk to each other, but we did it.
1: Well, I was so scared because a common thing that happens on our show is Emily and I have the, things, same the same thing. idea. Like if we're like, oh, we did it today. We I'm had no similar. I'm very proud.
2: It's very remarkable. Well, thankfully, even across, like, even though we thought of, you know, identified these common categories, there really wasn't uh, much in the way of, I mean, there wasn't any overlap, which is pretty remarkable, but Thank you both. This has been such a pleasure. And all I have to say is we need to uh, see these books come to fruition because um, you know, there are endless possibilities. And I think hopefully we've inspired some listeners and, and other folks to recognize the many directions they can take if they pick up a pen or pencil or type on their keyboard. Thank you both so much.
0: It was Thank a lot you. Of fun.
2: Thanks so much to Emily and Courtney for coming on Notably Disney once again. So what did you think of our selections? And also importantly, what ideas do you have in mind? Share your thoughts on social media. You're gonna wanna be sure to subscribe to Book of the Mouse Club on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Emily is on Twitter at Emily underscore M-I-C-K-D-E. Whereas you can find Courtney via at Courtney underscore guff. Book of the Mouse Club is at Book of the Mouse. On Instagram, you're going to want to follow Book of the Mouse Club at Book of the Mouse, Courtney at GreatGuthsby, and Emily at Emily underscore McD. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at BNachman Reports. That's bnachman Reports and be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to NotablyDisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney.